Trauma Therapist Podcast, Episode 32. Passion, dedication, and inspiration. If you're ready to hear inspiring interviews with amazing trauma therapists, this is it. Right here, right now. With your host, Guy McPherson. All right, folks, before we get started today, I'm so excited to announce the launch of my trauma therapy coaching program. You know, several years ago, when I first started out in psychology, I knew I wanted to get involved with trauma therapy. I knew I was passionate about it, and yet there was a hesitancy. I didn't know what I was doing, and I was scared. And it wasn't until I went to this one particular workshop, and I got to see and work with seasoned trauma clinicians and how they were engaged with each other, how they were interacting, and what they were doing, what they were saying, and they were very fundamental skills. This is what I'm offering in my coaching program. So if you're interested in embarking on a journey to become a trauma therapist, this is it. Head on over to westcoasttraumaproject.com, hit on the coaching tab, and let's get started. All right, welcome to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. My name is Guy McPherson, and this is the podcast where we are interviewing master trauma therapists from all over the world. Uh, really to find out, you know, what steps they've taken and um, how they've gotten to where they are with the steps of inspiring um, all of us here. You know, today I'm so excited to introduce my guest, Penny Parks. Penny, are you ready to go? I am. All right. So Penny is a creator of Parks Inner Child Therapy. She's a pioneer and expert in the field of childhood abuse, having developed the first inner child method of therapy in the UK. She began teaching this complete standalone therapy model in 1988. Uh, it was originally created from her successful self-help efforts in resolving her own personal childhood abuse experiences and has evolved into a structured, rapid, thorough, and gentle therapeutic model. Penny's an American who has lived in the UK since 1982. Her work with survivors in England evolved into two books, uh, Rescuing the Inner Child, a self-help publication in 1990, and The Counselor's Guide to Parks Inner Child Therapy, uh, published in 1994. All right, Penny, so just a little bit um, about you. Tell us, uh, you know, a little personal information, um, and then we will uh, get started. Okay. Personal information, well, well, I was born in California in 1943 to a very uh, dysfunctional family, unfortunately, with a traumatic childhood. And uh, as a result of all the things I experienced later on when I you know, was in my 20s, I, was, uh, I realized that what had happened to me, abuse by six different uh, men, so five of them, family members and one uh, friend of the family, <laughs> uh, I realized that all that stuff was why I had all the problems I had and, and I couldn't afford to go to therapy, which was just as well because apparently psychiatrists in those days were telling people with abuse issues that they were fantasizing or that they had, if they were a woman, they had penis envy. So I didn't think any of that was true for me and that wouldn't have helped me at that time. Uh, so at any rate, I just uh, went on a crusade of, uh, you know, trying to work it out for myself. And somehow I fortunately worked it out and um, in the process created a therapy model that worked for other people as well. But um, it was a, a long time for me, 10 years, w working out on my own. 
And uh, fortunately, one of my greatest assets is a sense of humor. So <laughs> um, yeah, I, needed, yeah. I needed that for a long time. I still need it. I mean, you know, so, laughter is very good for us. So we'll, we'll dive into that um, in a bit here. Uh, but you've been living in the UK for, for a while Yes, since 1982. Wow, okay. I'm married to an Englishman. I'm now a British citizen. I stayed over here. I was came for a three-year time and stayed over here because I, had, um, uh, I was working with a blues band, and um, we had uh, an album made, and I wanted to see where it was going to go. Wow. And, you know, I don't get that chance much, on, and I wanted to take advantage of it. So I've remained um, a vocalist you know, as as a, a hobby, as opposed to you know, seriously working at it. I enjoy drawing, pastel painting, walking my dog, that sort of thing. All right, all right. So, uh, great information there uh, about you. Let's kind of move into our first uh, topic here, which is the quote. You know, this this again, this podcast is about finding out what's kind of driven you, inspired you. Share with us, Penny a quote, a mantra, something which has guided you um, along this journey? Well, this is a, the quote I've chosen is, is one that was given to my youngest daughter when she, I think, was about seven. And her teacher said to her, uh, you can do anything you set your mind to. And gosh, that just inspired the heck out of her. She came home, was trying this, trying that, trying the other thing. She even fixed our uh, bathroom sink that had a problem with it. And um, so I, I sort of latched onto that. And I, what I already realized that the beauty of it is that you really only set your mind to the things that are already a part of your natural talent, skills, and abilities. Those things that you love doing, that's what, you, well, that's what we really set our mind to. And then we can be very successful at them. I mean, uh, being a nurse or, or working in the medical field would never be something I wanted to do. So I would never set my mind to something like that because, you know, like I run like heck from blood and guts. So that wouldn't be my, my calling. Um, and those things that we're meant to do are what we need to set our mind to and spend our life doing. So I've, I've sort of used that as a mantra for myself. So you can do anything you set your mind to. So give us a little more about how that's actually applied to you. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, before I had all my own personal stuff fixed, all my problems from the childhood stuff, um, I took a big chance and applied for a job selling newspaper advertising. And uh Although I had no experience in it, I, knew, I didn't even read newspapers. And uh, everybody, my friends said, oh, that'd be stupid. Don't go there. But I felt like I wanted to do that. And uh, the boss recognized my potential. He gave me the job. And I ended up outselling all the other salespeople. And then when I came to England, um, although it was only supposed to be three years after that, I wanted to stay on. And I had no financial support. Uh, no relatives here, nothing like that. Uh, but I managed to stay in the country and, like I said, later became a British citizen. If I'd returned to California, I could never have had the musical or professional opportunities that I've had here. But at the time, when I made that decision, people thought I was crazy to risk staying. Well, you, you need to go back. You can't stay here. You have nothing. And then when I was 41, I applied for a vocalist position in, in the blues band. 
uh, and I got the job over four other people. But everyone around me said I shouldn't bother going and applying because I was too old. But apparently I wasn't. So, you know, and without a college education or a PhD behind my name, I wrote two professional books that have remained in print since 1990 and 1994, respectively. And people said, unless I was Dr. Parks, no one would ever recognize my work. So, you know, if you set your mind to it, you can actually do it. Nice. And I have. Nice. I, I just really appreciate that. You know, it just reminded me of when I first, well, even before I, I started in this field, um, you know, I often talk uh, about my brother uh, who was in the Special Forces coming back from Iraq with PTSD. And mm-hmm. that in part really kind of drove me uh, and, and kind of sparked my passion for getting into this field. But mm-hmm. initially, I was scared. I mm-hmm. was scared to, you know, get into the field of trauma. But that that passion that you're talking about, that, that you know, inner knowing that drove you, I really... Um, can identify with that, and uh, I appreciate you you talking about that to, because I think it's inspiring for for a lot of the listeners and a lot of us who are interested um, uh, in this field and even want to get into this field. Mm-hmm. So let's move on. You know this this podcast is about highlighting your journey into this field. Again, people get into this field for a variety of reasons. You know, I just uh, shared a little bit about myself and what mm-hmm. what drove me into this field, and you've uh, you know mentioned a little bit about what inspired you, but break it down for us, Penny, uh, share a story with us. What drove you, got you into this field? Well, I was, my own childhood experiences left me with a lot of rubbish. And, um, I had one good thing going for me. I recognized that my problems were related to the stuff that happened to me as a kid. A lot of people don't have that, that sort of sense of it. And, um, so that's why I started trying to help myself. And then in the process, I, like I said earlier, I discovered that the things that I had done for myself actually worked for other people too. I trained as a, as a counselor and uh, realized that uh, the stuff I was doing was really useful. But I, it's, it's like if you had uh, cancer and you drank this liquid that healed you, you'd go around trying to give it to everybody, wouldn't you, you know? And and so that's what drives me is to give other people the same freedom that I now have. So it's this realization that your own childhood experiences were directly related or if not causing uh, the, the challenges, struggles that you were going mm-hmm. through. Yeah. And how did that realization come about? I'm not really sure. I just, I just, you know, my, it was really good. I mean, I, there were six different abusers, like I said, but my, the, the more frequent one was my stepfather. And, uh, I was, it was so good, <laughs> although it won't sound like it, that he was a real so-and-so. He was a nasty piece of work. He was not a nice man. Nobody liked him. And I could see that he was a bad person, you know? And so Somehow that that was helpful to me because I could see that other people were affected by him, and I felt like the things that he did to me, all the, the sexual, physical, and emotional stuff, you know, that somehow that was because of him. I felt that way. Now the other five uh, males that interfered with me, they were ordinary people. They weren't 
such a bad guy like he was. And I just thought that because he'd done what he'd done, I was such a bad person that it somehow made them do the sexual abuse to me. Obviously, that's incorrect, but that's sort of how I felt at the time because I felt like I was a worthless nothing person that was dirty and contaminated and, you know, all the kind of things like that. And, you know, <laughs> as you're sharing the story, I just, um, I mean, it's, it's hard obviously not to be impacted by what you're saying. And I, I, I just want to, you know, um, say that and uh, sh- appreciate you sharing those, those, those details because this is not easy. But Actually, actually, it is. Well, good. Because because (laughs) the work that I have developed, you know, it takes away all the hurt. I could be telling you about somebody else's story. It doesn't hurt me anymore. You don't forget what happened to you. It'd be dangerous to do that. But you stop hurting. And so I could, you know, stand up and tell (laughs) crowd of people gory details if they needed them. You know, it doesn't hurt anymore. So it's just it's just an experience I had. And that's great to hear. Um, you know, I think it's also just so inspiring to hear that you turned that experience into this uh, quest, this this mission, this teaching model, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and let's we'll get into that. But before we do, you know, let's focus on an early clinical mistake you made, something that happened early on that, uh, you know, so many, if not every, every clinician, master trauma therapist goes through mm-hmm. a series of mistakes and continues to do so. But share with us one that maybe stands out um, and, and what you learned from that. Well, that one's easy. Um, th- there was a client with me that she was crying very hard, very hard. Because she just, for the very first time in her life, admitted out loud that her father had abused her. She knew it, but she'd never said the words. And saying it to me was very difficult. And she was sobbing away. And in referring to her tears, uh, in in trying to be comforting, I said, it's okay, it's okay. Meaning, you know, it's okay to cry. But I just said, it's okay. And she, in her distress, she looked up at me and she shouted at the top of her lungs, no, it's not okay. (laughs) I thought, oh no, said the wrong thing, you know. And I learned to be silent guy and not have to fill every gap with words to just let silence on my part become an asset. And with somebody's crying, they don't really need me to, to, you know, say a bunch of stuff to them. Just be there. And if they, you know, if, if, you know, you need to pat their hand at some point in time, you know, be a little careful about how you're interfering with people's personal space, um, whether we were words or, or even um, a patting of their hand. So I sit back and, and let si- silence be, you know, an asset of mine. Whereas before, and well, anybody who knows me would tell you I could talk the back leg off a donkey. So <laughs> silence, silence isn't one of my attributes. I've had to learn it. Are you ready to become the best version of yourself? Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support, and it is 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. 
You get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. No more worrying about finding the right provider or scheduling appointments. Cerebral brings it all to you whenever and wherever you need it. To get started on your path towards better mental health, Cerebral is giving you, the Trauma Therapist Podcast listeners, 15% off your first month of online therapy, medication, or both. Get started by going to Cerebral.com slash podcast and use the code the trauma therapist. That's Cerebral, C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L.com slash podcast. And don't forget to use the code the trauma therapist to get 15% off your first month. Make 2024 your best year yet. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Please see site for details. Going Inside is a new podcast on a mission to help you heal from trauma and connect with your authentic self. Hosted by licensed trauma therapist John Clark, this show explores trauma healing through the lens of internal family systems therapy with detours into EMDR, somatic experiencing, and much more. Tune in for enlightening guest expert interviews, immersive solo deep dives, real therapy sessions, and soothing guided meditations. Head on over to johnclarktherapy.com slash podcast or search for Going Inside with John Clark on your favorite podcast platform. Once again, head on over to johnclarktherapy.com forward slash podcast or search for Going Inside with John Clark on your favorite podcast platform. But I, I think that's such a great story because it really speaks to, you know, the steps necessary to educate oneself as a therapist in this field. Um, number one, to, uh, you know, measure how you're responding to someone. And obviously, you know, you, you one thinks that by saying, well, you know, it's okay, it's okay, you're kind of, you know, appeasing that individual when in fact, mm-hmm. obviously it, it wasn't. Uh, taken that way, but also the the ability to be comfortable with not saying anything and you know utilizing the silence as you said. Uh, talk to talk to us a little bit about how you developed that skill or that experience, or was it just you know this that incident and boom that was it for you? It was because yeah. I felt so bad, you know, that I had had not you know, just shut my mouth, really. Felt like I had to say something. And I and and her distress shouting at me like that, I thought, oh my God, Penny, don't ever do that again. And every once in a while in or anybody's life, you do something that doesn't turn out the way you thought it was going to. And you say to yourself, I'm never going to make that mistake again. And I haven't done, well, to my knowledge, nobody shouted at me. <laughs> now, when you were, when you were, say, involved with this young woman. I'm kind of interested in how you developed your model. Mm-hmm. So talk to us a little bit about that, um, if you will. Well, I developed it when I was trying to get myself fixed. And uh, I, I, I was so, I read, read books, there was nothing out on sexual abuse in those days. This is a long time ago. And uh, there were n- no books out. And the subject hadn't even broken the surface yet. And so I read books about some of the problems I had, but nothing really, really stuck for me. And, and I just had a sense of my younger self running the show. You know what I mean by that? I felt like somebody's going to tap me on the back one day and say, you're not really a grown up, are you? <laughs> no, I'm just a kid. And so <laughs> I had that sense. And, and I thought, if only I could have told somebody 
And I thought, well, why don't I let her tell me, the adult me? I'll believe her. And so I thought, how am I going to do that? Talk to myself? No, that sounds too crazy. Let's see. Oh, yeah, I, maybe I can write it. So I, as the adult, I wrote and said, you know, tell me about that time in a shed with Uncle Harry and, and, uh, and I'll listen to you. And then I sort of left space on the paper and then and wrote as, my, as I was, you know, at that time as a kid and said, you know, all I wanted to say about it. And when I finished that, then I left another space on the paper and I came back as the adult me and said, thank you so much for telling me that. You're so brave. I'm, you know, it wasn't your fault. It's okay. You know, you're all right now because I'm here with you. And, and that, I wrote a bunch of letters about various things that had happened in that manner. And a period of time went by. And then I felt like the pressure was building up again. And I thought, only if somebody could have told me that it wasn't my fault, that somebody could have told me it was, I was okay. It was them. They were the ones. And um, so I thought, oh, why don't I, the adult teller. So then I started writing letters back about the first ones because I still had them and begin to give some information. I, I, I think it was about five points of information. I can't remember what they were at the moment, but they're in the, Rescuing the Inner Child book. And um, so I wrote back about all these things. And then that eased everything. And for a period of time, that was fine. I, I was on a nice plateau. And then uh, the pressure started building up again. And I didn't, I was scared to do something else because what if I ruined what I'd done so far and, you know, just knocked myself off the, plat- the plateau and <laughs> had a crash and burn moment. Uh, yet I got so uncomfortable I had to do something. So I uh, then I got the idea, uh, the thought, if only somebody could have rescued me. Because every kid that's being abused has a fantasy of some superhero. They only had one in my day, which was Superman. I used to imagine him, his feet sh- coming through the, uh, we lived in a mobile home, through the trailer house wall, <laughs> and him kicking my stepfather into the uh, space or something, and then, flying me away to someplace safe and happy. So at any rate, I wrote, I wrote a rescue scene where the adult me went in, and like in the shed with Uncle Harry. The adult me knew what was going on. I wanted to get there before he did what he did. But when it looked like, uh-oh, something's going wrong here. And so I kicked in the door, whether I can actually do that or not was beside the point. Kicked in the door, and uh, he had his trousers down, and um, I took and picked him in um, certain places and uh, the, you know, he, he was sort of out of commission. Then I took my younger self and took her away. We just sort of uh, went instantly to a, a, a lake where some uh, uh, ducks and swans were and we threw bread to the ducks. And, and I said, you know, you'll never go back there again. And I've, I'm here for you now. We're together. So those three steps, you know, the letter from the child, the letter to the child, and then the rescue scene. And, after, and I wrote a whole bunch of rescue scenes. And after that, I felt like balanced. I felt like I was walking in the same direction that my head was facing, whereas before I didn't always feel that way. I, later, when I worked with clients, we did them all together, one, two, three, not over a period of years. Now we do it as a visualization, which is, has much more in it and is much more thorough and much quicker. Wow. I mean, that is just such a story of strength, really, that's coming through. I mean, for you to be, um, you know, a, 
an individual, young individual working through this process and having the ability to work through this process is just, uh, it's, it's just incredible, you know, and there's so many things coming through Penny that are really just, you know, kind of popping out this, this whole idea of, you know, being able to, uh, you know, accept those, the different parts, the younger self and Mm -hmm. to, you know, to writing, writing them and offering them, extending a hand of, you know, hope and, and, and rescuing. Um, I just love the way you've kind of integrate all the different aspects of, you know, what really a a lot of individuals are using now in trauma therapy that you were doing, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, early on. Yes, in the 60s. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just really incredible to see because, you know, a lot of what, um, uh, you know, Bessel van der Kolk in his new book is writing about is is what you were doing. Yes. Back then. And have, and have been doing yeah. all these years. Yeah, that's, that's just so inspiring yeah. to hear. I mean, it's, uh, you know, to hear you say, you know, well, it's easy for me to stand up here and talk about this now. You know, I could I could do it in front of thousands of people. I think for, um, it's 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 incredible. It really is, and I just want to say it, thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah, it's very different than it was before. I had my stuff fixed, um, if you don't mind me using that phrase, but. Um, I used to, uh, once I told my friend, my very best friend, when I was a teenager, and I was sobbing, I could hardly get the words out, I was shaking all over, I was sweating in places I didn't even know I had places, you know? I was, it was, I was a wreck to try and share just a tiny bit of information about what had happened to me, which is quite different than now. Yeah. You know, this kind of leads us to really my favorite question, which is why. And I, I don't even know if I have to ask you this question because I think all of our <laughs> listeners really, really know already. But, I, but I'm going to do it anyway because I think it's going to give you another opportunity to, to, to share with us. But, um, you know, I, I just believe it's so important that we do ask ourselves why we're doing something because it, that there's so much passion behind it. It drives us in what we're doing mm-hmm. um, in our lives and our work. But why Penny, do you continue to do this on a day to day basis? Well, I think it's because this model that I've created, it works rapidly. It's so thorough and it brings people to full resolution. It's not like a lot of therapy models teach people to cope with the problems they have. They go away. They have still have the problems, they can cope with them better. We don't go there. We take you to resolution so you don't have the problems anymore. So you can start being your, the, your real self, the person that you would have been if the abuse or trauma hadn't happened, yeah, that got you off track. So it's a real extreme joy to see people get their life back. And it's energizing. Using our model, it's energizing to the therapist. So we don't have much burnout happening with our therapist because they get so much energy back and, and people say, I can't believe it. You've changed my life. It's, 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 it's like I always thought it could be, you know, mm-hmm. and there, it's just a joy to share that. Yeah. How exciting is that? So, you know, many of our listeners are uh, beginning to get into the field of trauma therapy. Some are um, seasoned clinicians, clinicians themselves who maybe don't even think they've been working with trauma clients and want to start that uh, education for themselves. What advice do you have for individuals who want to get into this uh, 
uh, trauma field? Well, my strongest piece of advice is to search out specialist skills training for trauma and abuse. Courses that teach resolution models because generic uh, counseling or therapeutic skills isn't enough. And you let people down because people with trauma and abuse issues, they need a lot more than what is in your basic training kind of, you know, situation. So get some specialist skills. I mean, I don't know about everything in America because I've been living over here for so long. But I know in this country there are some people who are have um, what you call an organization, uh, a group, and they um, advertise that they help with um, childhood abuse issues. And yet when you look into it, none of them have had any specialist skills training. And I think that that is ridiculous. <laughs> and some of the, I get a lot of the people that go to see them and don't get any help and, and feel worse. They come to see me or one of my therapists and then, uh, and they say, well, this is what I thought I was going to get before, but why didn't I? And, you know, there's not a lot you can say, except I guess they didn't have the, the specialist skills they needed. Well, why are they working in this field then? And I, it's hard to answer that one, Guy, because I don't know. Why are they? I don't say that to the client, but, you know, it, I certainly say it to myself. So please get the correct training so that you have some specialist skills. Otherwise, you will burn out fast and you won't be much use to your clients. Yeah. Now, um, I know on your website you have training. Uh, what... Um uh, what individuals do if they wanted to get involved with your training? How how might they uh, take advantage of that? Well, they can co- contact us by via. There's two websites, and they can contact us and ask for more information and uh, where it could be. We we have we're here in the UK, so we have training here. But also, uh, we have a trainer who can go to other countries, and we have uh, rearranged most of the time the therapy model is trained in nine uh, once-a-month weekend sessions. But we have other formats where it can be done in three months and, uh, you know, very much shorter. And so they can just contact us and, and ask what's available, what can I do, and all that good stuff. Okay. And your website is www.pp, P is in Peter, or P is in Penny, uh, yeah. P is in Parks, foundation.org. Uh, that'll be linked up in the show notes page. Penny, I want to thank you so much. Um, and there's another one. There's another oh, one go, too. Go ahead. It's the www.pennyparks.eu. Pennyparks.eu. Okay. So again, yes, and we're just getting a new website for the foundation one, and uh, that's going to be switching over the next couple of weeks. So if you get something that says uh, go to this place first. Uh, bear with us as we're making that transition. Sounds good. And again, both of the books, uh, Rescuing the Inner Child uh, Self-Help Publication and The Counselor's Guide to Parks Inner Child Therapy will be uh, up on the show notes page at westcoasttraumaproject.com. Hit on the podcast tab and uh, Penny's uh, episode will come right up. Penny, uh, thank you so much. Um, You know, this you are why I'm doing this podcast. I get to talk to people like you who just blow me away. It's just so inspiring, and it it just ignites my passion and my strength to continue doing this work. And I'm sure, uh, you know, our listeners feel the same way. 
Well, thank you, Guy. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, thanks again, and we will talk soon. Excellent. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, folks, I want to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. What I want to do right now is invite you to contact me at guy at westcoasttraumaproject.com. I'd love to hear from you. I want to invite you to share two things with me. One, why are you doing this? Why are you in this field? And that's my favorite question I ask every master trauma therapist on the podcast. Number two, what are you struggling with? What are your sticky points? I have so many myself, but I'd love to hear from you. Guy at westcoasttraumaproject.com. Thanks so much.